0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Educational Podcasting Today, Episode 10. Today, we're going to be talking about how you can do awesome things with your WordPress website. We have a lot of... Great news in the world of podcasting and in the world of WordPress to talk about today. If you've never gotten a chance to check out this show, it is an amazing show. We're on episode 10. We do things a little bit differently over here, over on our website, Educational Podcasting Today. We put up two versions of this show. We have the video version, which is our interview only, and then we also release this as an audio show. So certainly check out our website, Educational Podcasting, today. We have some great tips, tricks, screencasts, and more. We certainly have a lot of great stuff going on. Welcome to the show. My name is Jeff Bradbury. I'm an educator from New Jersey, and I am here to help you create the perfect podcast. And we're also going to be talking about how to create the perfect podcasting website. In our podcasting news segment, I am proud and excited to share with you guys that our brand new educational podcasting today app has officially been submitted to iTunes and it's very, very exciting. We're teaming up with a great company called Chris Sharon's and we have created a how to podcast app. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, this is going to be the app for you. We're going to take you step-by-step of how to create a podcast, how to submit to iTunes, how to submit to other places like FeedBurner and Lipson and PodTrack and Blueberry and all these great places. We're going to be having all of our content from TeacherCast on this app all in one place. And I'm also going to be sharing a few other great things about this app, namely you can watch our live broadcast on it. That was one of those great features that's, that people asked for from the current TeacherCast app, and I wasn't really able to do that. But with this new app, we're certainly going to be doing it. So look at it coming up soon. Uh, what we're going to be hoping to do is to do an ISTI special, and we're going to be making it a 99-cent app At So uh, check us out. We're going to be doing a lot of great stuff at ISTE around this podcasting app. We're going to have Chris Sharon's on the live show and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in a few minutes here. But there's a lot of great stuff happening around that app. I can't wait to share it with you guys and uh, please download it when uh, when it comes out. It is certainly a way that I would love to ask you guys to help support the podcast and support the channel. Our featured podcast of the day is ISTI. ISTI Conference is coming up soon. It's going to be at the end of June here and uh, into early July, and it is in Philadelphia. Have you heard about it yet? TeacherCast is actually going to be doing 30, 30- Plus hours of live broadcasting. We're going to be broadcasting live in the morning from 8 a.m. to 12. And then on Tuesday, we have a full day of podcasting. But did you know that ISTI has their own podcasts? So check out the cast. There are some pretty cool things. It is run by the guys that do the YEN, the Young Educators Network. And I want to give a big shout out to those people. Um, they do an amazing job. Their shows are generally about 29-30 minutes or so. Sometimes they have a little long version depending on their guest. But their shows are absolutely great. They're audio formats and I highly recommend them. The the link to their shows is over on our uh, episode 10 right here. You can certainly check that out. In our conferences and conventions time, well, it is time for ISTE. Like I said, ISTE conference is going to be coming up here and TeacherCast is so excited to be doing some great broadcasts. If you are listening to this show and you're coming to ISTE, we want to hear from you. Find us on Twitter at Podcasting Today or over on the TeacherCast Twitter account. We are having a very special event coming up on Monday of ISTE at 5.30. We are running a Podcaster's meetup we are it's called a birds of a feather session and essentially what we're trying to do at 5 30 on monday is to get people who love podcasting whether you listen to shows whether you're creating shows we want to get everybody in one room just to meet each other just to talk podcasting we're going to be having some great um activities there to show off some of the things that you can do on a new windows machine on a new mac machine on a chromebook we're going to be doing a little bit of everything there. If you have an idea for what you could like to see at a podcaster's meetup, please come and share with us. We are trying to put it together. So that's going to be Monday from 5.30 to 6.45, and we have a, uh, an Eventbrite page set up, and you can check out TeacherCast for all of that information. We will make sure that that is also over here on the show notes for Educational Podcasting Today, Episode 10. This past week, I was up in Connecticut for Apps University, and amazing... Absolutely amazing Google-based event um, done by David Saunders and Merrick up there in Connecticut. It was absolutely great. It was June 13th and 14th at the beautiful Renbrook School in West Hartford, Connecticut. It was fantastic. We had over 150 people there. I did three sessions. One of them was called Do You Want to Be a Google Certified Teacher? I had about 50 or 60 people in the room all learning about how to do videos, video editing, how to create the perfect quintessential audition video if you will and it was fantastic why do I bring up the how do you be a Google certified teacher and these video shows well because the next thing is that on August 4th through 6th, there is a great conference up in the Boston area called Q Rockstar Boston, and it is run by the fine folks of Q and John Carippo. We are going to be doing that same thing, but instead of it being a one-hour session, we're going to break it down into a two-hour session where we're going to show you exactly what it takes to be a Google-certified teacher, Apple Distinguished Educator, PBS Learning Media, Digital Innovator, Microsoft Digital Fellow, all of those great things, and it really does come down to creating a great video. So we're going to show you how to do that. We're going to be doing some examples. We're going to have you guys get up and do all that stuff. Seats are limited. I think it's like 240 bucks or something like that for a three-day event, which is unbelievable. $80 a day, and you get everything taken care of. It is a fantastic time. Check out Q Rockstar Boston. Now, before I jump directly into our interview today with Suzette Frank, which is, by the way brilliant. She is an amazing guest. I hope you like her. I want to talk about this week on Sunday, June 21st, we are going to be having our live tech educator podcast, but not just any podcast this week. This week, we are talking about the ISTE conference. We are going to go into what is ISTE? When is ISTE? How is ISTE? What do you pack? It is our annual ISTE celebration. I am so excited this week because we have Matthew Harris coming on. Matt Harris is An amazing educator, and he is also going to be the new chair of the board of the ISTE organization. Absolutely great guest, and I'm also proud to say that Matt and I are going to be meeting each other in Virginia at the end of July, because we got both accepted into ASCD Emerging Leaders, and I'm really, really looking forward to getting to know Matt, looking forward to him. You, of course, can check us out live this Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern over on TeacherCast.tv. That is the Tech Educator Podcast featuring myself and Chris Nessie and Jeff Herb, Sam Patterson, Josh Gothier, and David Saunders. Check us out live. We hope to see you there. I want to move really quickly here into our interview segment. I met Suzette Frank well before Suzette met me. Suzette is an amazing WordPress developer, creator, teacher, and she is one of the co-hosts of the very successful WP Water Cooler podcast. You've heard me talk about this show constantly if you've listened to any of our other episodes of educational podcasting today. Suzette is absolutely one of the most knowledgeable people that I've ever met on WordPress, and she is a blast to talk to. I want to introduce to you Miss Suzette Frank. My guest today is a WordPress expert she's an author she is a writer she is a blogger she is a fantastic person and she's also one of the co-hosts on one of my favorite podcasts WP water cooler want to bring on to the show miss Suzette Frank Suzette how are you today welcome to the show
1: thank you for having me I'm doing fabulous
0: thank you so much for coming on tell us a little bit about yourself
1: well, I'm a WordPress professional right now. I'm doing freelance. I also contribute to the training team on WordPress.org as well to write training materials for teachers um, to teach lessons. And I also do some teaching with girl development who specializes in teaching affordable uh, classes to women of diverse backgrounds all over the country. We have chapters all over the country. We teach intro programming classes.
0: Now, A couple times on this show, I've heard you refer to yourself as a front-end developer. And I wanted to bring that up because a couple people have asked me, WordPress is simple, right? And I've had to talk to them about, well, if you really want to get into WordPress, you've got all these different jobs. What are some of the things that we look for when we're looking for a WordPress professional? What is a front-end developer versus a back-end developer, let's say?
1: Well, a front-end developer is mostly going to deal with how the site looks. Um, That's a pretty good way to break it down. And a a back-end developer is going to work with how the site functions. So if you just think of functionality versus appearance... That's what you can do. You have a lot of WordPress professionals that do it all. I do a little bit of everything. I do design. I do front-end development. I do a tiny bit of back-end development. Um, But mostly back-end development would be like um, working with application programming interfaces or APIs to bring information in from another service, such as like Twitter or Instagram or Flickr. Um that's a lot of back end programming or when you get with dealing with uh custom post types or different information that's not part of native functionality of WordPress then you need to hire a developer.
0: So when you're looking um, at front end is that mostly working with like a photoshop image and putting it in into code or is that working with the WordPress dashboard let's say
1: It would be working with the actual code. It would be working with the theme itself. Um, It does require a lot to know the admin panel very well because there's a lot of information you may have to manipulate in there. But a developer just deals with code and making the themes. So if you want to get started, you probably want to get somebody. You want to look at doing themes after you get your content on the site. Because you want the design to fit your content and not the other way around. Or you want your content to fit the design, not your design to fit the content.
0: Now, that's interesting that you said that. You're the first person that said that on the show here. Put your content or your podcasts or your posts into the site first and then put the theme on it?
1: Yeah, well, well, you do need to have a theme first, but you don't want to do a lot of customization until you have your content in. That's what I mean.
0: Excellent. That is so important. I know a lot of people are looking to switch over to WordPress, and I know I've, you know, I've helped out a few people that have done all of this work, and I said, but you have, like, one post. How do you know where all this stuff goes? Why is it important to come up with a, a cycle or with an order to how you organize things?
1: Well, this – how you lay out your site is going to be the most important because it's going to determine what features you need, how you want things to be laid out on the site and how you're going to work with the site. So you really need to have, if you don't have any content at all, I would recommend using dummy content. There's a few plugins out there. Um, WP example content is the name of one, and it will just create a bunch of posts and pages for you of different formats. So you can test your theme against all those different formats that are listed in there. Um, So that's super helpful if you don't have any content. But a lot of times people will design, especially they'll design something in Photoshop and it will look gorgeous. And then they find out that when they drop in the actual content, you know, the space for this paragraph was only this big. And now you have only like a a few sentences of paragraph or you find that that's the main problem that I find people having If you just go from a theme. You don't know what information to put where. Um, So it's it's really good to kind of have an idea of how you're going to structure that content before you go and start developing because custom development is very pricey. It's very expensive for anybody to do. It takes a lot of time. There's a lot of troubleshooting involved in it. Um, And especially if you're asking for something that hasn't been done before, it's going to take a lot of time, perhaps, to get that working.
0: And this is why I am a big fan of the WP Water Cooler podcast. Tell us a little bit about the show. It it happens live on Mondays, right?
1: Yes, Mondays at 11 uh, p.m. uh, That is Pacific time. And it's been running for about two years. I started with the show. So I started right when it first started, about two years ago. And the idea was to get a group of people together to talk about WordPress, like what they would say around maybe the water cooler. That's where the name of the idea, the idea for the show came. Just like what people were kind of gossiping, being saying about different things that are happening in the WordPress community. We talk about WordPress, how to use WordPress. WordPress training we talk about a lot of different issues around WordPress Um, but sometimes we don't sometimes we we are off topic and it's really we usually have a topic for the show and then we build a discussion around that and it's an open conversation so there is a lot of interruption there's not it's not moderated so anybody can say anything at any time and so we have five regulars that are on the show that are usually on every week and then we bring guests people on as well to talk about their special area of, of uh interest
0: and one of the things that i love about the show is that it is timed i mean a lot of I, I tend i tend to check it out during my lunch break it is a 30 minute show and you don't go over that 30 minutes
1: that's right it's a hard stop and a hard a hard start and a hard stop 11 to 11 30 and then um to make sure that we're always on time. We always have a pre-show. A lot of people don't know this, but there's a half an hour pre-show that doesn't get published. And it's just kind of like, so we can test out our equipment and get everything working. But that time, even the, the banter that goes on during that time really helps to relax us, so that we're ready to go right at 11 um, with the show.
0: Where do we find out more information about the show?
1: This show can be found on wpwatercooler.com. And the show is listed every... Every, every week, it's listed there, as well as an archive of past shows. So we have a lot of different topics about everything you can think of WordPress.
0: Nice. Definitely check them out. I know I listened to you on the way up to work, on the way back to work. Most of the shows, we listen to a couple times. It is absolutely a great show. I'll be honest. Some of the topics are a little bit above my head, and some of the topics might be a little bit above your head if you're out there listening. But if you listen to it a couple times, you're going to pick up one or two things from almost every show that you're going to pick up on. And then, you know, maybe you come back to the topic in a few weeks and you pick things up. Um, I'm just amazed that, you know, you listen to a one half an hour show, 45 plugins get talked about. You might pick up two or three of them that you like.
1: Yeah. And even sometimes the topics that they talk about are over my head. So it just it just <laughs> depends on what the topic is. Nice. Um but, I mean, we all talk about business. It really, It's really a good mixture. I think the core characters that are on there every week are a really good mixture. We have uh, Chris Lemma, who is just, like, you know, WordPress superstar. Then we have Jason Tucker, who, like, knows everything about video production and everything about – he's just awesome. And then Steve Zangit, who is a great teacher of WordPress and runs his own agency. And then we have Say, who also – she does a lot of work with this Long Beach Small Business Association, getting people up to speed in their small business websites. So it's a really good mixture of personalities and backgrounds as well, I think.
0: And then on top of that, you always have people that are leading WordPress, like the guys from the jetpack company or the guys from the security. I mean, you go out there and you find those professionals. I mean, we had uh, a common guest, we had Syed Belki come on a couple of weeks ago to talk about Optin Monster. I've seen his, him on the show. If you're looking for the top WordPress people and you want to really get into making your podcast website stick, definitely check out WP Watercooler. Cooler. Suzette, today we're going to talk all about teaching WordPress. And there's a lot of people out there listening to the show that, okay, I know how to build a podcasting website, but I want to help out my students. And I want to ask you a question that we've asked on every single episode here for podcasting, but I want to spin it a little bit for you. The question that I always ask is, can you podcast for free? And we talk about, well, you could spend a lot of money on equipment or you could turn on your iPhone and go to the audio recorder and make an audio recording. So let Let me me ask you, can you or should you WordPress for free? I'm thinking elementary school. I'm thinking high school here.
1: It depends on the amount of in, of uh, investment that you want to put as far as time. If you're willing to do a little bit of learning, then you can really do some crazy wild things with WordPress without knowing very much coding. That's what I really love about WordPress is that it doesn't take very much effort to learn it, to really leverage some of the functionality that it has to make you look like a genius. Really. It's, it's really quite awesome that way. And it is something that, um, if you don't have the time, then I would have, Then you're going to probably have to make a financial investment if you want to get a WordPress site. But if you have the time, it's an excellent thing to do. It's an excellent um, extra source of income. It's in high demand right now to learn WordPress and do it for other people. So if you can get your own WordPress site in order, you can do it for other people and, and make a good living off of that.
0: Let's say that I was a teacher and I wanted to start a school newspaper. <laughs> what would be, and again, budget has to be into consideration here. What sure. would you suggest? Could I start off with WordPress.com? Should I start off with self-hosting? Again, I, thinking in budget, thinking in mind, and, but I want to create something where I can teach my students about digital publishing, about getting out there on social media. What would you suggest educators do?
1: Well, if you just want to have something that is like a blog and you don't want to have any advanced functionality, if you just want to write like a bunch of articles about different topics, WordPress.com may be a great solution for you. If you don't, if all you want to do is write, that's all you want to do. If you just want to write lessons, that could be an excellent um, way to get started. And the good thing about it is that once you have everything on there, the content is portable. So you can take that content that you've written on WordPress.com and transfer it later on to a self-hosting site and add more features to it. So I always like to take like a very like simple first approach and then work on as you um, learn new things because there's always something new to learn.
0: Talk to us a little bit about that. You just said if you start on WordPress.com, you can move things over to your self-hosted. How does that happen? Is that difficult? And if that if I wanted to do that in time, do I need to call you?
1: It depends. You really shouldn't have to. It should just be a matter of doing an export and then importing. I know that there's one software that I use that really makes it a lot easier, and that's desktopserver.com. That will handle. It's a premium software, but it does handle the migration for you. Um, So I would recommend if you don't want to hire a developer that you use something like Desktop Server Migrate DB Pro. But you you are going to have to have a little bit of technical knowledge to do the migration yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have time to learn it, then you might want to hire somebody else for a few hours. Um, It shouldn't take that long to transfer over, maybe an hour or two, depending on the amount of content. Um, but it's really not that difficult to process
0: for somebody who's looking just to get set up, maybe goes to wordpress.com and they're looking at the differences between free themes, premium themes. Could you tell us a little bit about what the difference would be? And okay, let's say that I don't have a budget and I wanted to go with a free theme. What generally goes into switching a theme or moving to a premium theme? And, and what would I need to do to, to learn about that stuff there?
1: Well it's really gonna depend everything because themes because themes are made by any author, they anybody can write a theme that knows some programming. There is a wide array of different situations that you could come across. So some themes use something called short codes. This And they build functionality into their theme, which they really shouldn't. They should keep the functionality out of the theme. But a lot of people, especially on theme forest, like to include a lot of special functionality in the theme. And when you use a special functionality, it makes it harder to change to a different theme because that new theme may not have that same functionality in it, and it's going to break part of your site. Um, So I would recommend going with a free theme. If you're starting out, that's going to be the easiest to upgrade. The only difference between a free and a premium theme is the the level of support that you're getting. So with a free theme, there's typically not support or there's a support forum. That's a good way or just the internet itself. With a premium theme, you have a direct um, line sometimes to the developer to ask questions but it really depends on theme to theme it really does vary but just in general premium you will get somebody to handhold and with a free theme you will pretty much have to do it yourself
0: and we talked a little bit about short codes on last week's episode we actually had dustin hartzler come on who works with works for automatic and we were talking about short codes as those snippets of text that are within brackets And the question I asked him, we really didn't quite hash this out yet, but if a page has short codes on it, that means it doesn't have all the text. Mm -hmm. Is that still a Google happy page? Do you know?
1: It should still be a happy page because all the processing of what happens in the brackets goes on on the back end and then on the server side. And then that's processed. And then the server side spits out the HTML. And the HTML is what the Google um, and the search engines really care about.
0: That is good to know. We couldn't figure yeah. that answer last night. I was emailing Yost the other day trying to ask these questions. <laughs> so you're a teacher, and you said that you go out and you help people learn how to do WordPress. I'm a teacher. I have students that I want to help do WordPress. What is an early age? Can I start WordPress on fi- at five years old? Can I start WordPress at middle school? Um, we here at TeacherCast are, are big fans of KidBlog, which is essentially mm-hmm. WordPress for students, where, what nice. do you say? When, when can we really start to get into the .coms, .orgs, and uh, what should well, we be doing at first? It's going to depend
1: on, on the kid, on the maturity of the child, of course, but I've, I've taught um, children as young as seven hmm. how to use. they can start writing blogs, and I start them off on .com because I just want to get them in the habit of writing, and that's pretty much the way that I go with children. And I remember I taught one time I taught at a Phoenix, I taught a kid's word camp. So we taught them how to use wordpress.com and we showed them how to do a few things, but they're brilliant. They can pick up things very quickly and they love to have that tool available to them to express themselves.
0: What are some of those key things? I know whenever I start, we talk about posts and pages. I don't get into things like SEO. For me, Heading ones are an advanced term because I just want kids to start making great content. Where do you start?
1: I think content is actually the best place to start. Um, I would go over with how to create pages and posts and the difference between those two things. Posts are going to be hierarchical in nature, and they're also going to be – more timely. So they're, they're more timely, like an article or a press release pages are more for static content, such as like your about page your contact page stuff. That's not going to change as often as like um, an article that's released quickly. So it's more kind of set to stay there. So I think that once uh, beginners get that, then they are on their way to creating great content. You really don't have to worry about anything else when you when you're just starting out other than creating great content.
0: What in your mind defines great content? I know when you're looking at Google and I know even when you read some of those pages on those Yoast plugins, great content isn't just black and white. It has pictures. It has video. When do you start introducing those things into your lessons?
1: I introduce them as as I see they could be a good way to illustrate the point. Um Links, I always include, whenever I'm writing, I always include a lot of links. Like, if I mention a word that maybe someone doesn't know, I might link to the Wikipedia article. I love to have links because that is a way for people to kind of interact with your site. So anything that's going to get them more involved, like asking them questions, quizzes, or surveys... We're getting them to have to click on something to see the answer to something that's going to help them learn and they're going to appreciate that that is like what I call content it's stuff that you created that's brand new. Um, It can be about any subject that you want, but it has to be like just stuff that you know that isn't written anywhere, basically.
0: It is so important, I think, just to get people up and writing. I mean, I love the fact that with WordPress, you have that button that came out a few versions ago, distraction-free, takes all the business off. I love the fact that one of the recent updates um, in your post editor where you're writing your stuff, it no longer scrolls to the top. You've always got those menu bars. So if your content (laughs) is really, really long – one of the questions that kids ask me about, and I, I want you to explain this because I know you can headers, heading one, heading two, heading three. What does that mean, and why is all that there?
1: Well, there's, it's good, that's a great question to ask. And it used to be that heading one, heading two, heading three, those had to deal with different scales of formatting. And people would use, like, the heading one would be, like, the largest. But that's not so much the case anymore. Now we use today what we call semantic markup. So when you label something as H1, that is the most important heading on that page. Heading two would be the next most important. So you might have one heading one per page. You might have several heading twos per page. And it's just if you could just imagine like an outline view, what would be like the most important thing that would be heading one. And then underneath that you would have like your heading twos and then you can break it down further. So I like that, that kind of whole idea when you're thinking about structuring your content because you want to start at a high level and you want to break it down with supporting content for that, for that top level. But it's semantic because it's not, doesn't apply to styling. Styling can be applied to different levels and make them look different, but the main thing is that, that is the, the heading one is the most important, and when search engines look, they look for those headings. They look to see, so rather than making something bold, you might want to make it an H3 if it's, if it's something of a subject or a topic that might be searched on.
0: That's good advice. I know with teacher cast I, I only do H3s and below because H1s, the text is really, really big. And I'm trying to figure out how to make that a little bit smaller. But that's yes. for another show at another time. <laughs> Talk to us about media. Okay? So I've got kids. I've got content. And we have the ability to create a video. Mm-hmm. As far as the questions about where to put that media, these questions arrive. Do I take a video and put it on YouTube? Some teachers say, I don't want my stuff on YouTube. I'd rather put it somewhere else. Then Mm -hmm. we talk about, well, maybe we can take that video and we can put it into Google Drive. Because with Google Drive, you can embed it into anywhere that has HTML. Or I didn't
1: know that. Oh, yeah.
0: That's – Yeah. One of the things that I do when I – do my google consulting with people is look google apps for education which is the school server not the stuff that you and I know as gmail you've got unlimited storage so if you got 70 gigs of videos put it in gmail and then embed that stuff onto your website that is amazing and even that right is. now for for people like you and I to get what is it 500 gigs of google space is like 3 cents or something like i mean stick it up there um you don't have to worry about the world seeing your family photos and videos if you put it on google drive and only embed the ones you want i think that's one of those functions about google drive that people don't use and there's so many good google drive or google apps plugins that are out there right now i'm getting off topic but i saw one recently that that integrates with google forms and it embeds the google form onto your wordpress but it doesn't give the the the, the the iframe box, it makes uh-huh. it look seamless with your theme no matter what. Nice I love and it automatically finds the size too. I I'm gonna do a show one of these days with some Google people about uh, Google plugins for WordPress because they've come such a long way. The community is really seeing that there is a need for Google and WordPress to marry each other. But anyway, the last thing on here is do we take that video and go into our media browser? Why Mm -hmm. would we want to put our videos, and I'm talking of size here, why would Mm -hmm. we want to put that into our WordPress media browser? Why wouldn't we want to? What's your thoughts and processes on that? And when we do import that media, do you have any suggestions on, like, naming?
1: Sure. Um, Well, the most important thing that you want to know about media is that WordPress is, is limited depending on your settings that may be set by your hosting. Um, but there may be a limit that you can upload. So videos tend to be very large. So usually, as some hosts even said, the upload limit is small as two megabytes. So that's going to be too small to host a, to upload a video. Um, so there's a few different things that you can do to go about that. You can actually um, change your PHP settings, but this gets into more advanced configuration. <laughs>
0: that was over Just at most to get people's your heads. Media
1: in there. If it's over like five megabytes, I would recommend not putting it in WordPress and putting it either on Vimeo, Google Hangout, Google, or um, YouTube. And the reason for that is because not only is it going to serve it from a very fast server, because Google has very fast servers and YouTube has very fast servers, but it's going to present it in a way that is applicable for that person's browser. So you don't have to worry about, um, is this going to work on a mobile? Is this going to work on an iPad? If you use YouTube, I've never had a problem where it it serves the right format that that person is supposed to have. So that's why I like taking advantage of YouTube. And then now Google, since I just found about that. Um, That sounds pretty awesome as well. But pretty much if you have a lot of small videos, you can use the WordPress Media Manager. Um, If not, I would recommend putting it on an external service.
0: So look, on Tuesday when I'm driving to work, if you want on the show on Monday to say, hey, I listened to this podcast and I heard this really cool feature about Google Drive, I'll just be the happiest the, the happiest guy driving to work on Tuesday.
1: <laughs>
0: um, I had a couple questions come in. Let me just throw a couple of these at you. When you are putting in a picture, WordPress asks you these questions like, is it captioned? Your description? I don't know all those different ones that they ask, but what is the difference between all that stuff?
1: Well, the first one that they have is title. And the title actually gets shown to people that are using screen readers. So it's important to have a title, a caption, and the description is option and the alt text. The alt text is also used by screen readers. So that is important to make your site accessible. So the more information that you give a picture as far as title, alt title, it can be actually what I recommend doing is using the same the title for the caption and that also for the alt text as well because that's going to help um, search engines understand your site and be descriptive as you can with the pictures because google doesn't understand pictures it understands text so the more text that you can put with the picture always the better
0: i i i always look at google when i'm trying to figure out wordpress and i had recently somebody asked me about bios and my about page and I'd love to bring you in on this one, too. Somebody said, how come you're always asking people for third-person bios and about pages? And why, you know, I have a bio that says, I am a third-grade teacher in this school. Why is that wrong? My answer was always because Google doesn't know who I is.
1: What's your oh, opinion on that? Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard of that. But that's, pretty you want to use your name you, as much as possible? Because want, that is... Google will actually count how many times a certain word is used on your page, and it uses that to determine the page relevancy to search terms. I
0: I use the answer of Google doesn't know who I am, number one, and number two, Suzette, when I want to find your bio and use it on my my site and I go to copy it, if your bio says I, I, I – I don't want to use it. I want to I'm going to have to sit there and change all the eyes to Suzette. So I always give them the two things, make it easy for somebody to copy your bio. Yes. And if that person and whoever's going to copy it, Google's going to copy it first. And yes. I don't know. I'd love to get your opinion on all that stuff, but those are the only two answers I gave about writing, you know, properly on Google. I always write in third person. Be-
1: That's, that is a great tip, but I would also recommend, and a lot of people don't know this about WordPress. They don't know about Gravatar.com. What? And what Gra- Gravatar.com. So what this is, is it's a central kind of um, where you can put your bio, your avatar, all of your social media links, and different sites use it. WordPress uses it, and it attaches it all to your email address. So if you notice, if you look in the user profiles under WordPress and some people have a little picture next to it and some people don't, it's because they've set up their picture on Gravatar. Mm -hmm. And there's some other services that will pull from that information. So I recommend always having your Gravatar set up with your most current bio and all of your social media links. And then you always know where you can copy and paste that. And write it in third person because I think that's a great tip.
0: And Gravatar is, of course, owned by Automatic. Automatic.
1: Automatic, which that's is the, right. Which
0: is the company that makes WordPress.com. I have to keep watching what I say. Word, Automatic does not own WordPress, right? That's, that's the, correct. Because the
1: WordPress Foundation owns WordPress. And
0: what does that Automa- mean? Like, we it use just, the word open source. Like, what is that?
1: Open source just means that anyone is available to look at the source, to modify the source. And there's also the GPL, which just means that you can do anything with that with that source code as long as that original um copyright stays not copyright but uh, that original tag stays with it
0: you know one of the plugins that i use is called user photo and that's essentially a plugin that can override what your gravatar photo is so oh nice i use that because when i'm dealing with students I don't want to have kids' pictures on there, whether they use Gravatar or not. I want to give That's them, true. you know, baseballs or footballs or ballerinas or something like that. It, it's just a nice little plug-in that you can simply go in there and customize that user feature a little bit more um, and, and have complete control over your pictures and your avatars and stuff like that. So we're going to make sure that all of this stuff is in our show notes over at educationalpodcasting.today. Suzette, I got to say thank you for your time here. There's a lot of questions that people have. Um, certainly, you know, you can reach out here to the podcast at podcastingtoday. Suzette, where can we find you on your Twitter account?
1: On my Twitter, it's Suzette underscore Frank, and that's F-R-A-N-C-K with the C K at the end. A lot of people look for me as Suzette Frank without the C-K, so if you look for me that I'm on Facebook, on Twitter, LinkedIn, and also at Suzette Frank.com and Suzette.pro. You can find me on there as well.
0: And I gotta tell you, you are absolutely all over social media. I mean, you know, the way that we got hooked up is I just reached out and said, I need help with this. And absolutely awesome to work with you and awesome to to get some help and to meet you and stuff like that. Where is the future of WordPress? We just came out with version four two, I believe. Yes. And so they're trying to release a new WordPress like four times a year. I know you had mentioned that you're working with core. I don't know what that means, but where (laughs) is the future of, I mean, I know what it means, but what, what, where, where is the future of WordPress going?
1: I think it's going to lie in getting, um, education out there for people because it's, it's great. WordPress is only going to get better by more people knowing how to use it and develop for it. So we need to get more education on how to use WordPress and just the web in general out in schools. I think.
0: And there's something called a Word Camp. Now this yes. we, we're familiar with Ed Camps, which is going to a conference and meeting people. And I've been to Ed Camps. I've been to Word Camps. There's just something about reaching out to WordPress people. What is a Word Camp? What can you see and 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 why do you go to WordCamps?
1: WordCamps are awesome. They are a great. They're a very inexpensive way that you can get two days of, of different uh, classes. Usually, what they have is they'll have a different speaker every hour, and they'll usually maybe run one or two tracks next to each other so that you can pick between which which session you want to attend. But it's just a day of sessions about all things WordPress from beginner. No matter what you are, if you're a user or a content person, a business owner, anything that wants to work with WordPress or the web, it's such a great networking event. Because people that love WordPress, they really love WordPress, and they're passionate about WordPress. And this comes across when you meet the people. They are very passionate. They're very generous with their knowledge. It's a great community to get tapped into. Um, so, actually, I'm kind of a word. WordCamp addict. (laughs) I've been to 26 WordCamps. I've spoken at 24 WordCamps. They're a lot of fun. And I've been to eight different states and two countries.
0: Wow. Different
1: WordCamps.
0: So those are the people that uh, if I can quote from the show, they love WordPress, they eat WordPress, they do the WordPress, they make the WordPress (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's right. They do. And and it's it's an awesome, it's awesome to be around. But it's just like, it's usually like 40 bucks for two days. Yeah. You get lunch, like usually both days. You get an after party and a t-shirt. It's such a fun thing for students to do. I, I really encourage that.
0: And I think getting the t-shirt is what we're all there for. I mean, I want to pick up yes. on what you said, two days. Now for ed camps, we're mostly looking at a Saturday, maybe like an eight to three, eight to two, done, free word camps are amazing and you might be sitting there going 40 bucks for a conference look last year i went to word camp philly i went for both days but the best part about that was number one they had a room set up and they actually brought in about six or seven guys from automatic the company that does wordpress.com and it was just basically like an apple genius bar ask me anything that you want now not all word camps are set up this way, but it was an amazing experience to sit down with the guys that built these things. I had a problem with a plugin called Jetpack, and the guy who I was sitting next to, he's like, "Hold on, give me a second, Turns around, and the guy who's like Mr. Jetpack just happened to be sitting there. He goes George into Stephanas. my yep goes into my account, awesome. and I will even show you here. I've got this guy's card, Spencer. Spencer, oh, nice. Spencer, and I became good friends that day. And uh, that's why I have it right here, because if I ever need something, now you're connecting. Now you're networking. And I can't tell you how much money I didn't spend by going to WordPress because I met these people. And, you know, you get a chance to go into these sessions that, again, might be over your head, but they might not be. You might find something that you want to learn about. I learned so much about WordPress and media by going to WordCamp Philly. I'm actually really disappointed that I can't go to WordCamp Philly this year because I'll be at an ed camp. But... Oh! <laughs> oh, I know. And, and the cool part about WordCamp Philly last year was they did they did pretzels in the shape of the WordPress logo. No, yeah, that's
1: awesome. It was awesome. It they was... always do neat stuff like that. I'm always surprised when I see like I know Orange County one time they had a donut truck and they had maple bacon donuts served from the truck during break. So and and uh, Lancaster they have whoopie pie break and there's like bacon break and and fried cheese curds break so it's really it's a fun group of people
0: you, you can never right. knock a conference that brings bacon into the middle of all this
1: right <laughs> very very
0: cool we're here talking about education we're here talking about teaching teaching people WordPress. at where do you go to learn about wordpress or i'll say where can i send somebody to learn about wordpress where are the good resources that are out there
1: well the best one and the one that i recommend the most is meetup.com meetup.com has WordPress meetups that are for free that teach people how to use WordPress. Um, it's on all different levels. It's going to depend on your geographic location, but usually no matter where you are there, hopefully is a, a word, uh, press meetup within an hour of you and they run, you just have to go on meetup and put in your, um, your zip code and it will tell you where the meetups are around you. But that is a great resource to, to kind of like get in touch with people, look for a developer. If you're looking for a developer, look for help if you're looking for help or just get up to speed on what's happening on WordPress. Um, so I, I like to attend those as often as I can and that's how I get a lot of my WordPress knowledge.
0: And, And I shouldn't be afraid of going to a WordPress meetup if I've never touched WordPress before.
1: No, not absolutely not. They're very welcoming people. A lot of times there's a lot of people that are just brand new to WordPress, never used it. They don't even know what it is really, but they just want to come and find out what it is. This would be a great place. And especially talk to the people because they will love to tell you all about it. Now, I, I've <laughs> done so,
0: – yeah, especially that OC meetup co- company. I've, I've looked at some I've, – I've done the Google a couple times for getting help with WordPress – and I found this site, I don't know if you've heard of it, called WP Beginner. Have you heard of that, that one? That
1: is an excellent site, yes. And that is a really great site.
0: And they basically have everything that you need. It's a, it's really amazing.
1: It is. That is a great site. They have great tutorials. They write articles about how, how do I... Um, Anything, anything anything you want about wordpress they they put out articles about it all the time how do Just i change the way things.
0: my admin looks they've got a 30 second video yeah. on that how do i change my user profile they've got a 30 second video on that how do you make a podcast on a they've got videos for that it, it they do definitely check out wp beginner again all the notes are going to be on our show notes suzette i think we went a little bit over our 30 second heart out here <laughs> 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 but that's okay you are welcome back to you know we, we, we would love to have you come back on the show anytime one last time Suzette, where can we find more information about you and please tell us how we can participate in the water cooler podcast
1: the water cooler podcast is at wpwatercooler.com you can go there and we're on every monday at 11 pacific time and um you can find me at suzette frank s-r-a-n-c-k.com or just search for me on the google you'll you'll find me i'm there everywhere
0: <laughs> i love it when a wordpress professional says the google
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well my friends that wraps up episode 10 i want to say so much Thank you to Suzette Frank for coming on the show today and spending some time with us and sharing all of her WordPress knowledge. We certainly invite her back onto the show, and we invite you to be on the show. We just finished off 10 episodes of this show, and would you believe we actually recorded all of them in about a two-week span back in April, March, somewhere in that area? And now with ISTE coming... We need more content. Are you a podcaster? Do you like to podcast? Do you like to play with WordPress? We want to feature you on our show. Perhaps you're doing something awesome in your classroom. I'd love to feature it. There are several ways, of course, that you can reach out and be a part of this show and be a guest on this show. We would certainly welcome you to find us on Twitter at podcasting today, and you can find us on the TeacherCast network by leaving us a voicemail at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail, or emailing me at feedback at TeacherCast.net. I really want to have you guys on the show. We're going to be doing some different things over the summertime, now that the app is going to be coming out for ISTE. Did I mention it's coming out for ISTE? And we really want to do one short feature podcaster a a week, and so we're going to be trying to put these shows out a little bit more frequently than we did during the school Year and uh, really help you create an amazing podcast for yourself. Are there any topics that you're looking for me to, to talk about on here? Please leave us a voice message. Please find us on Twitter and certainly leave us some feedback on this show. Lastly, I want to do our call to action, which is leave us a review. The best way to say thank you to any podcaster is to go over to iTunes and leave us a review on our show. We certainly welcome it. We certainly welcome it. And we would love to see some great reviews coming our way. So, in review, I will see you guys on Sunday for the Tech Educator Podcast live featuring all of our great ISTE contests. And certainly we'll be seeing you guys live from ISTE. We'll be live from 8 to 12 Eastern. Until next time, my name is Jeff Bradbury from TeacherCast.net. Take care of the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students. National Podcast Day is September 30th, but what is National Podcast Day? It's pretty simple, and you can help spread the word. National Podcast Day is dedicated to promoting podcasting worldwide through public engagement. You may be asking, what can I do to get involved with National Podcast Day? It's easy. Head over to nationalpodcastday.com and check the suggestions, but ultimately, these options are endless. Remember, September 30th, nationalpodcastday.com, and let's start the conversation.